there's I, I just we really do not want any kind of backlash so we are just going to stick to the story the attackers how they you know uh, coordinated the attack and the arrest the trial and the memorials that were put up for them we i mean it's important to know like the politics involved and shit but like we don't want to be the ones to put it out there it's already out there for you to go and check out like do that for yourself yeah and both of us are not really like into getting into the politics of things so i think mm-hmm. this is this is very important for us to the cover the case especially exactly put it especially out there that we remember because yeah. it's very easy to forget things that happened in the past and then then it's it's really easy to just um move past them like of course it's it's traumatic it, it is something that we should move past and look forward to new things but i think it's very important to pay respect to the people that we have lost on the way honestly the the important thing that we wanted to actually cover here is basically to to you know pay respect to the people who lost their lives that is that's the that's our only aim that's why we're here we're not here to talk about the politics or the countries that were involved just saying and putting it out there because like seriously i don't want any more backlash the first events were detailed around 10 pm on 26 november when 10 men in inflatable speedboats came ashore at two locations in kolaba they reportedly told local marathi speaking fishermen who asked them who they were to mind their own business before they split up and headed two different ways the fishermen's subsequent report to the police department received little response and local police were helpless then the Ch- the chhatrapati shivaji maharaj terminus was attacked by two gunmen is ismail khan and Aj- ajmal kasab kasab was later later caught by the police and identified by eyewitnesses not like immediately later on when we'll talk about the rest uh, we'll get back to this so like put a pin in it the attacks began uh, the attacks began around 9:30 pm when the two men entered the passenger hall and opened fire using ak47 rifles the attackers killed 58 people and injured 104 others the assault ending at about 10:45 so like more than an hour security forces and emergency services arrived shortly after Uh, announcements by a railway announcer vishudattaram jhende uh, vichnu the railway announcer alerted passengers to leave the station and saved many lives the two gunmen fled the scene and fired at pedestrians and police officers in the street killing eight police officers the attackers passed a police station knowing that they were outgunned against the heavily armed terrorists the police officers at the station instead of confronting the terrorists decided to switch off the lights and secure the gates the attackers then headed towards kama hospital with the intent to kill patients but the hospital staff locked all the patient wards a team of the uh, mumbai anti terrorist squad led by the police chief hemant karkare searched the chhatrapati shivaji terminus and then left in pursuit of kasab and khan kasab and khan opened fire on the vehicle in a lane next to the hospital and received return fire in response Karkare Vijay Vijay Salaskar Ashok Kamte and one of their officers were killed the only survivor constable Arjun oh sorry constable Arun Jadhav was severely wounded Kasab and Khan seized the police vehicle but later abandoned it and seized the passenger car instead they then ran into a police roadblock which had been set up after Jadhav radioed for help a gun battle then ensued in which Khan was killed and Kasab was wounded After a physical struggle Kasab was arrested a police officer Tukaram Omble was also killed when he tried to disarm uh, Kasab by wrestling his weapon away from him Then moving on to the Leopold cafe the Leopold cafe a popular restaurant and a bar on Kolaba Causeway in South Mumbai was one of the first sites to be attacked two attackers Shoaib alias alias it's alias uh Shoaib alias Soheb uh, and Nazir alias Abu Umar Umar opened fire on the cafe on the evening of 26 November between 9:30 and 9:48 p.m. killing 10 people including some foreigners and injuring many more there were honestly so many foreigners that were killed and like injured but we'll talk about that when we talk about the casualties 
Then moving on to the bomb blasts in taxis, there were two explosions in taxis caused by timer bombs. The first one occurred at um, 10.40 p.m. at Ville Parle, killing the driver and a passenger. The second explosion took place at Wadi Bandar during, uh, I mean, between 10.20 and 10.25 p.m. Three people, including the driver of the taxi, was killed and about 15 others were injured. This is like, <clears throat> this is so stressful, honestly, just talking about it because I have seen countless um, like movies about this and in general terrorist attacks and this shit is so scary. It's like, you could just be walking on a freaking road and you don't know what's coming. Like, oh God. Okay, I'm having so a moment. Like, so, like, I think one more thing that needs to like really be said, which is that when you Google how to uh, avoid being in a terrorist attack, the first and the foremost thing that they tell you is that to stay away from uh, any rallies or something, overly crowded that places. Is- rallies and i've heard that you know you if you see like a car i think after this attack itself it was like everywhere like there were boards everywhere because i used to live in pune during that attack and like pune is like literally the next city beside Mm -hmm. mumbai Mm -hmm. and like there were posters everywhere and police were continuously telling you that if you see a car an abandoned car an abandoned bike anything abandoned just run like leave that place immediately because like most probably it's going to be a bomb because like it's abandoned you know Mm -hmm. there's no one around also uh i i think uh like one the second thing about uh avoiding terrorist attacks is that stay at hotels with identifiable security measures in place but then Mm -hmm. this one was like in the taj hotel right so I, exactly. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. There was there was no security check. There there were so many tourists here. I could like see all of the countries just like holding their breath, just like, what's going on? Why is this happening? This exactly. Is... And no, dude. Whoa. The thing is, we'll get to the we'll get to the next parts where I'll talk about it. But Taj Hotel was actually informed that you know there might be a security breach, so like keep an eye on it. In October, they were informed in October. They took all the measures for like a month, and then then they just let it go because then they were like, "Ek mahina ho gaya, nothing's happened." Mm-hmm. So the this, minute they let the guard be... down, this happened. This... Also, I am a very paranoid person in general. So when I'm traveling, I I tend to like travel at the least congested times, like office time pay. Or something. I usually don't travel then because I'm really scared that something like this will mm. happen. Also, because you can never tell what's gonna happen when. And it, if you think about it, this is like so scary. Like, uh, you you're just walking on the road and you never know if someone's gonna pull up a gun and just shoot at you. you- okay. Now moving on to the Taj Palace and the Taj Mahal Palace and the Obra Trident. Trident. Uh, the two hotels, the Taj Mahal, the Taj, and the Oberoi, were among the four locations targeted. Six explosions were reported at the Taj Hotel: one in the lobby, two in the elevators, three in the restaurant, and one at the Oberoi Trident. Um, at the Taj, firefighters, firefighters, wow, they scare away the fire now. <laughs> at the Taj, the firefighters rescued 200 hostages from windows using ladders during the first night. CNN uh, initially reported on the morning of the 27th November um, 2008 that the hostage situa- situation at the Taj had been resolved and quoted the police chief of Maharashtra stating that all hostages were free. However, it was learned later that there were still two attackers holding hostages, including foreigners in the Taj Hotel. A number of European Parliament Committee on the International trade delegates were staying in the Taj Hotel when it was attacked, but none of them were injured. A British conservative member of the European Parliament MEP, Sajid Karim, who was in the lobby when the attackers initially opened fire, and German Social Democrat Erika Mann were hiding in different parts of the building. Also reported present was Spanish MEP Ignazi Guardin, who was barricaded in a hotel room. Another British conservative MEP, Syed Kamal, reported that he, w- he, along with other several MEPs, left the hotel and went to a nearby restaurant shortly before the attack. Kamal also reported that Polish MEP Jan Masier 
was thought to have been sleeping in this hotel room when the attackers started when the attack started but eventually left the hotel safely kamal and gordon reported that a hungarian mep's assistant was shot also caught up in the shooting with the president of Ma- madrid esperanza aguirre while checking uh, checking in at the obroid trident and indian mp nn krishnadas of kerala and gulam noon while having dinner at the restaurant in the taj hotel um i watched the movie right uh, hotel mumbai and that movie was like so emotional because well, i mean in the movie they like showed uh, pretty much the entire story of this one baby that survived the hotel like the shootings and was like the father of the baby got shot but the mother survived only because she was muslim and like oh, this is what they showed okay i'm not saying that these are facts this is what they showed in the movie and that really got to me it was like the mother the father and a few other fo- all they were all foreigners and i think they were all american and like the terrorists were trying to get in contact with the american government or something like that okay something around the lines of this was happening in the movie and um then they weren't able to get in contact with the americans or like the americans refused to help them or something like that and they just decide to shoot all of them like all the foreigners that they had gathered and this one woman is actually like her religion is islam and uh, she like starts um saying this one religious text or something some religious thing she starts chanting and um this guy like just doesn't shoot her and leaves and that's where she gets to see her baby and that was like heartbreaking cuz like she had to watch her own husband die and it's like god i can't with that movie that was just insane and i'm kind of bummed out that the article that i'm referring to didn't go into that detail i mean isn't that detailed about the taj shootings but um i think we'll get to that later anywho the nariman now talking about the nariman house um the nariman house at chabad lubavitch jewish center in kolba known as the mumbai chabad house was taken over by two attackers and several residents were held hostage police evacuated adjacent buildings and exchanged fire with the attackers wounding one local residents were told to stay inside the attackers threw a grenade into a nearby lane causing no casualties nsg commandos arrived from delhi and a naval helicopter took an aerial survey during the first day nine hostages were rescued from the first floor the following day the house was stormed by nsg commandos fast roping from helicopters onto the roof covered by snipers positioned in nearby buildings after a long battle one nsg commando sergeant Gat- gajendra gajendra singh bisht and both perpetrators were killed rabi gavriel holsberg and um his wife rivika holsberg who was 6 months pregnant were murdered with four other hostages inside the house by attackers freaking 6 months pregnant they oh no this shows you how bad it was like it was about oh. killing everybody and it was never about going out of the way and there was no um there's no mercy mercy yeah yeah okay mhm yeah i remember when uh, the 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 whole attack was happening uh how old were we i was in Six. kindergarten first yeah grade. i was in first grade I, oh so i was in elementary school i guess so yeah i was in first grade because we're the same age and um i remember my mom just like bringing something in the room like she was getting me something to eat apples or something and then the news was on and she just like she just sat down with the whole thing just like oh my god and i i remember this whole thing because of course we were very young to know yeah. back then but then i remember this and when i read through it again while um, you told me to do that uh so when i went through it again i was like shaking i was like imagining myself as my mom back then seeing this live with your kid in front of the tv she just like sta- uh, she helped me and she started crying and it was so bad yeah. cuz yeah. uh we had uh we still have 
my dad's uh, half of the family living in Mumbai. So um, mm-hmm. that's why like they're safe with me moving to Pune because it's like close by and they can help me out there. So uh, this was like such a big deal to her. And I think I can like put, put into raw words as to what I experienced with her being in the whole case. And I think this has a lot to do with how sensationalized first of all the whole attack was very terrifying yeah. it is very it was... terrifying very traumatic yeah. but you can see how each and every person in india whether or not they're from yeah. mumbai just just breaking down the mere mere thought of it and yeah, that's mean, heartbreaking was... that's very very was... heartbreaking I I honestly don't remember this much because I don't remember this much, but I remember like watching news maybe. I don't know. I just, whenever there was news on the TV, I just wouldn't watch it. But like later on, I remember like the things that came out because of this, like a few years later. Because I mean, once they started putting out all those posters, like don't go near abandoned cars, that shit. That stayed with me. But, like, I don't really remember watching this on the news, weirdly. But, um, yeah, I remember watching all those movies about it. And, like, while I was... um, I watched Hot Time Mumbai, like, a month ago or something, whenever it was on TV, because, like, we didn't go to the movies. But uh, I did watch that. And that shit shook me. And then researching this, because I started researching this case um, last night. 12 a.m. So, like, it was all night time and it was just got creepier and I'm still shook. Delivering this, I'm shook. But, uh, this this whole thing about just going out on a vacation, living in a very posh hotel, like, come on, I used to live outside in the Middle East and I, I know the name of Taj and Oberoi. Like, I know Oberoi is a very, very expensive five-star hotel. And I did stay there once. It's not that special, to be honest. But I'm telling you, like, Oberoi is a huge deal. And I think Taj is uh, a very prized, monumental yeah. hotel, isn't it? It's, like, very yeah. vintage, right? Uh, I don't know much about the basic of what happened in India, but I can tell you what happened because of this in Middle East in my school. So the school that I was in, what they did was after like a month or so of this, they wanted to let us kids know very lightly because it was an Indian school, right? It was an Indian embassy school. So what happened was we were sitting there in class and they told us uh, that we're going to ring bell and you have to stand up for one minute and mourn the losses of the people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did that. Yeah. So uh, I remember doing that on Martyr's Day. But I, I was like, this is this is not October. Why are we doing this now? But then I remember the teacher just saying, can you guys please not ask questions right now? And she was like really upset. You could tell. And she told us to do that. So we stood there, did all that. Um, we paid our respects. But we still weren't sure. Like first graders, we still weren't sure what we were doing. Right? Yeah. So like, and then again, uh, after some time, after we sat down and settled down, the teacher told us that um, there was an attack where a lot of people died in India, back home. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, a couple of the friends there looking really confused, like, wait, what? I didn't know that. What was happening? Yeah. This is. It was complete conf- confusion. And I really like how the teachers uh, told us they were very real with us. They were very raw and emotional with us. And that's something that means yeah, a yeah. lot to me. So they told us that the school um, is going to remain closed for the next two days because they're going to set up some uh, like set up some basic things for us to stay protected. Because I think it did put a lot of um, weight on the whole part of, in the whole security part of things. So at the end of this whole thing, I am going to try and like let you guys know what I learned and what I learned over the years because I was also a scout. So we do have a little bit of terrorism training kind of thing where they teach us how to like basically stay alert, stay safe and how to maybe not save others, but save yourself. My whole elementary school, I remember that school was very, very serious about that. Like, I don't know, maybe... 
it had to do with someone being affected personally due to the attack or something that's what we were told later on that someone actually lost someone in the attack so Ooh. that's why someone in the authoritative power so that's why they yeah. wanted to do that and for to like protect all the kids so what we had was the fire drill was normal like beep 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 and then you run like form a straight line and just leave the school asap don't touch don't take anything just leave so that was one that was a fire drill but i think for the terrorism drill they actually like told us to close all the doors and windows like immediately try to close the doors and windows or if your class does not have closable doors or anything we were physically told to push the teacher's table like not the younger ones not the kids but um, the older ones we were told to physically push the tables mm-hmm. and like do that and try to jam this the door this is terrorism right yeah not fire because <laughs> you don't want to lock doors during a fire drill yeah yeah this was terrorism this was terrorism they were mm-hmm. trying to uh, tell us to like protect ourselves and since the te- obviously the teacher is going to be in the class too so she was helping us but then like immediately we had to call the police we had to stay as silent as possible we had to hide under the t- wow. uh, chairs and tables and then wow okay let's get back to the um the story at hand uh so we were talking about the nariman house and um, what we left you at was that um, right so this after a long battle one nsg commando sergeant Gajendra Singh Bisht and both perpetrators were killed. Rabi Gavriel Holzberg and his wife Rivika Holzberg, who was six months pregnant, were both were murdered with four other hostages inside the house by the attackers. Now, the injuries on some of the bodies indicated that they may have been tortured. Yeah, that's that. Um, now moving on to the victims. Um. Give me a second. Right. Now, moving on to the victims, at least 174 people, including civilians, security personnel, and nine of the attackers were killed in the attacks. Among the eight were 29 foreigner, foreign nationals. One attacker was captured. The bodies of uh, many of the dead hostages showed signs of torture or, dis- or disfigurement, as I mentioned before. A number of those killed were notable figures in business, media and security services. What I don't understand is why were they tortured? Like what did you get from that? Honestly. Well, if you're killing kids and pregnant people, you might as well just torture them. Go all like, the way that... to the 100. <laughs> But like isn't that entire aim to, you know, just like kill as many people as you can also you inflict as much pain you. as possible okay <laughs> i don't know that that that's like sounds like something if i'm doing this much i might as well do that much yeah i guess maybe because i mean in a lot of movies show that like uh, among the 10 attackers there were like some of them were, like one one or two were actually like, kids like 15 16 year old kids that were brainwashed to think that this was right and that they were doing this in the name of religion and apparently they were getting money sent to their house and um uh in the movie hotel mumbai like one of the kids like calls home and he asks his father saying do you receive the money that they were supposed to send because like these people are obviously going to die they were on a fucking suicide mission like these people don't care about their own lives right they are like walking suicide bombs they just want to kill the person in front of them and then in the end probably you know like die who cares that kind of shit like this guy calls up his dad and he says like he's one of the attackers right keep in mind he's like do you receive the money and the father says no we didn't receive any money and at that point he kind of gets infuri- infuriated and he's like my boss said that i was supposed to get money so like these people these kids were taken advantage of being so young and so vulnerable that they were brainwashed to do this and think it was right and on top of which they were like what do you say uh bribed with money they were like you get your family will get this much money even if you die and obviously these people are from poor backgrounds like you know yeah kind of sad yeah. but like i don't feel any remorse for any of these attackers nada silch anyhow 
we are talking about the victims and i do not want to talk about the attackers because they do not deserve that so vilasra deshmukh stated that 15 policemen and two nsg commandos were killed including the following officers assistant police sub inspector tukaram omble who succeeded in capturing a terrorist alive with his bare hands what a hero snaps to him claps to him man uh joint commissioner of police hemant karkare the chief of mumbai anti terrorism squad additional commissioner of police ashok kamte encounter specialist senior inspector vijay salskar uh senior inspector shashank shinde nsg commando major sandeep unnin unnin krishnan uh nsg commando major sandeep unnin krishnan nsg commando hawaldar gajendra singh bisht three railway officer officials of chhatrapati shivaji terminus terminus was were also killed the casualties occurred in the following locations uh, mumbai harbor sh- the, there were four people dead chhatrapati ter- terminus uh, 58 were dead they were all shot and a few of them were killed because of grenade grenade attacks uh, the leopold cafe 10 were killed and none were rescued all were shot or they died because of grenade explosions the taj the taj mahal palace hotel near the gateway of india 31 were killed in addition to one commando around 250 people were rescued and the 31 people that died they were they died either by being shot there were six explosions that happened in the hotel there was fire on the first uh, first and the top floors and a lot of them were held hostage before they were killed then the oberoi trident trident at nariman point um 30 people died and 143 were re- rescued the ones who sadly died were killed due to you know they were either shot or they died from explosions or they were host- uh, held hostage and then they were killed or they died and uh, they died because of the fire then the metro cinema around 10 people were dead and none of them were rescued they were shot from a car jacked police jeep kama and albes hospital there were five policemen dead and none were rescued they were all shot and a few of them were held hostage then the narman house seven were dead including um seven died seven died including one commando nine were rescued the ones who um died were shot at were held hostage and tortured vele parle one person died because of a bomb blast car bomb blast badruddin tayabaji lane behind the times of india building nine policemen died by gunfire mazagaon docks uh, in mumbai sport area there was an explosion boats were um a boat with armaments was seized seized and no one died there the government of maharashtra announced about 5 lakh rupees as compensation to the kin of each of those killed in the terror attacks and about 50000 rupees to the seriously injured in august 2009 the indian hotels company and the oberoi group received about 28 million us dollars as part payment of the insurance claims on account of the attacks on taj and trident from general insurance corporation of india time episode anyway now i just wanted to get into the victims and the countries that they were from cuz like there were a lot of foreigners yeah so uh, around 141 indians died and 256 indians were injured Six Americans died and two Americans were injured. Four, uh, four people from Israel died. Three Germans died and three Germans were injured. Two Australians died and two Australians were injured. Two Canadians died and two Canadians were injured. Two French people, French people, two Frenchmen, uh, died and none of them were injured. I mean. two people from france died one italian died one uh, resident of uk and seven residents of uk were one resident of uk died and seven residents of uk were injured 
one resident of Netherlands was killed in this attack and one from Netherlands was only injured. One of uh, one Japanese died and one Japanese was injured. One resident of Jordan was killed and one resident of Jordan was injured. One Malaysian died and one resident of Mauritius died. One Mexican died. One resident of Singapore, a resident from Thailand died. Then we have an Austrian who was in, injured. A, two Spanish people who were injured. One Chinese, two from Oman, one from Philippines, one from Finland, and one from Norway all injured. In total, there were around 164 citizens or like normal people who died and 293 people who were injured and the rest if you subtract that from 164 were the police or the commandos that succumbed while they were um i mean like the rest died fighting against these terrorists now i want to move on to how these attackers kind of now, the attackers had planned the attack several months ahead of time and knew some areas pretty well to vanish and reappear after security forces had left. Several sources have quoted Kassab telling the police that the group received help from Mumbai residents. What? The attackers used at least three uh, SIM cards purchased on the Indian side of the border with Bangladesh. There were also reports of a SIM card purchased in the U.S. state of New Jersey. Police had also mentioned that Fahim Ansari, an Indian Lashkar operative who had been arrested in February 2008, had scouted the Mumbai targets for the November attacks. Later, the police arrested two Indian suspects, Mikhtar Ahmad, who is from Srinagar in Kashmir, and Tausif Rahman, a resident of Kolkata. They supplied the SIM cards, one in Calcutta, and I hate it when they sell Calcutta, one in Kolkata and the other in New Delhi. The attackers used a satellite phone and cell phones to talk to each other as well as their handlers that were based in the country that we do not want to talk about right now. Shit, I'm not going to say that. Um, the attackers used a cell... The attackers used a satellite phone and cell phones to talk to each other as well as the handlers in transcripts intercepted by Indian authorities between the attackers and their handlers. The handlers provided the attackers with encouragement, tactical advice and information gained from media coverage. This shit infuriated me when I watched the movie on this because it was like literally the media was giving like updates every single minute and they were like oh the police is on this side of the Taj the police has now entered that side of the Taj and these uh what do you say handlers were sitting wherever they were watching the freaking news and calling these attackers saying do the police is on like north north side of the Taj hotel you go there and take care of that like it was honestly the media did not need to do that and like actually costs the police a lot honestly i mean i'm not here to blame anyone or like point fingers but like that was a pretty shitty move and i really hope that there's been some kind of reform in the media because like that was really unwarranted for you know anywho was a tiny little rant right there the attackers used both personal cell phones and those obtained from their victims to communicate with each other and the news media although the attackers like uh the news media in the sense that they were like asking, they were t- literally telling the news, uh, like the media, that, you know, uh, have you covered this? Like, cover this, we're here, you know, that kind of shit. So they just, they wanted this to be as publicized as possible ASAP. So they were like contacting various news channels and stuff like that. Although the attackers were encouraged to murder hostages, the attackers were in communication with the news media via cell phones to make the demands in return for the release of hostages, as I said. This was believed to be done in order to further confuse Indian authorities that they were dealing with a primary hostage situation. Oh, shit. So the Indian authorities, they didn't even know in the beginning that this this was a terrorist attack. Oh, damn. There were also indications that the attacks had been Attackers had been taking steroids 
The gunmen who survived said that the attackers had used Google Earth to familiarize themselves with the locations of buildings used in attacks. There were 10 gunmen, 9 of whom were subsequently shot dead and one captured by security forces. Witnesses reported that they seemed to be in their early 20s, wore black t-shirts and jeans, and that they smiled and looked happy as they shot their victims. Ew! To rot in hell! It was initially reported that some of the attackers were British citizens, but the Indian government later stated that there was no evidence to confirm this. Similarly, early reports of 12 gunmen were also shown to be in them. On 9th December, the 10 attackers were identified by the Mumbai police along with their hometowns um, in Pakistan. Okay, these all people, these were all Pakistan citizens. I'm not saying this, there are reports and blah blah blah. There was investigation done and stuff like that. And you will find it everywhere on the internet that these were citizens of Pakistan and Pakistan has um, accepted that these were Pakistan Pakistani citizens. So, yeah. Not want any backlash. There was Ajmal Amir, Abu Ismail, um, Hafiz Arshad, and Babar Imran, Javed, Shoeb, Nazir Ahmed, and Nasir, Abdul Rahman, Fahadullah, and that's it, I guess. On 6th April 2010, the Home Minister of Maharashtra State, which includes Mumbai, uh, if you don't know, if you're not from India, Mumbai is a city in the state of Maharashtra, which is a state in India. Uh, so on the 6th of April 2010, the Home Minister of Maharashtra State, which includes Mumbai, informed the Assembly that the bodies of the nine killed Pakistani gunmen from the 2008 attack on Mumbai were buried in a secret location in, in January 2010. The bodies had been in the mortuary of a Mumbai hospital after Muslim cler clerics in the city refused to let them be buried on the grounds. Uh, now the attackers, let's move on to the attackers. Like, literally just want to talk, like, just one line about the attackers, because I, I don't give two shits about these people. Only one of the ten attackers, Ajman Kasab, survived the attack. He was hanged in Yerwada jail in 2012, freaking four years later. I don't know why it took four years. We'll probably get to why it took four years, but that's infuriating. But I do remember, I remember this part of the... Um, 2000 of the 2611 thing. Like I don't remember the entire attack taking place because I was still a kid. But 2012, dude, we were how old were we? We were in like fifth grade. Now this I remember watching on the TV because it was broadcasted. Like every single minute of his hanging was broadcasted. And I think they even talked about what his last words were, what his last meal was, and stuff like that. I don't remember and I don't want to talk about it because we're not here for him. We're here for the victims. We're here to learn the story about what really happened on this day 12 years ago. So, the other nine attackers during the onslaught were Hafiz Arshad, also known as Abdul Rahman Bada, Abdul Rahman Chota, Javed, also known as Abu Ali, Fahadullah, also known as Abu Fahad, Ismail Khan, also known as Abu Ismail. Babar Imran, also known as Abu Ak Aksha. Nasir, also known as Abu Umar. Nazir, known as Abu Umar. What? Umer, I guess. Yes. Shoeb, known as Abu, Abu Soheb. According to the scholar Saroj Kumar Rat, uh, three local Indians, Bashir, Sabahuddin Ahmed, and Fahim Ansari, helped the attackers in carrying out the Mumbai attacks. David Headley was supported by Bashir, who arranged the travel documents for him. Now, uh, Kasab was the only attacker arrested by arrested alive by the police. At first, he de uh, deposed to the police inspector Ramesh Mahale Mahare that he had come to India, quote unquote, to see Amitabh Bachchan's bungalow, and that he was apprehended by the police outside the bungalow. Like, wah wah, cry me a freaking river, shut up. Much of the information about the attacker's preparation, travel, and movements comes from his subsequent confession to the Mumbai police. On 12th February 2009, Pakistan's Interior Minister Rahman Malik said that the Pakistani national Javed Iqbal, who, was acquired, who acquired VOIP phones in Spain, I don't know, maybe it's VOIP, 
who knows if you know let me know uh, who acquired VOIP phones in Spain for the Mumbai attackers and Hamad Amin Sadiq who had facilitated money transfer for the attack had been arrested uh, two other men known as Khan and Riaz but whose full names were not given were also arrested two Pakistanis were arrested in Brescia Italy east of Milan on 21st November 2009 after being accused of providing logistical support to the attacks and transferring more than 200 US dollars to internet accounts using a false ID. They had red corner notices issued against them by Interpol for the su suspected involvement and it was issued after the last year's strikes. In October 2009, two Chicago men were arrested and charged by the FBI for involvement in terrorism abroad. David Corman Headley and Tahavur Hussein Rana, Headley, a Pakistani-American, was charged in November 2009 with scouting locations for the 2008 Mumbai attacks. Headley is reported to have posed as an American Jew and is believed to have links with militant Islamist groups based in Bangladesh. On 18 March 2010, Headley pleaded guilty to a dozen charges against him, thereby avoiding going to trial. In December 2009, the FBI charged Abdul Rahman Hashim Sayed to Sayed, a retired major in the Pakistani army, for planning the attacks in association with Headley. Okay, let me just say one thing. None of this that I'm saying, I'm saying on my own accord. Everything I've got from an article. And you'll probably get this in every single article ever. So, like, don't add me for anything. So, basically, we have Kasab. We have arrested him. And now let's move on to Kasab's trial. Kasab's trial was delayed due to legal issues as many Indian lawyers were unwilling to represent him as they should, or maybe not. I don't really know the legalities or whatever, but like who would want to represent him, right? A Mumbai Bar Association passed a resolution proclaiming that none of its members would represent Kasab. However, the Chief Justice of India stated that Kasab needed a lawyer for a fair trial. A lawyer of Kasab was uh, a lawyer for Kasab was eventually found but replaced due to a conflict of interest. On 25th February 2009, Indian investigators filed an 11 freaking thousand page charge sheet formally charging Kasab with murder, conspiracy and waging war against India among other charges. Kasab's trial began on 6th May 2009. He initially pleaded not guilty but later admitted to his guilt on 20, 20th July 2009. He apologized. Oh, cry me a freaking river again. He apologized for the attacks and claimed that he deserved the death penalty for his crimes, obviously, but later retracted those claims, saying that he had been tortured by the police to force, force his confession and that he had been arrested while roaming the bench. Shut up. <laughs> I am sorry. I was beaten no, into that... it. What? <laughs> oh my god. I hate it. I hate how he just went like, police hit me. I didn't do this. You stupid or what? I'll do. You see my face? I did this. <laughs> The audacity of this guy, man. Shit. You you see you see people like this with such audacities, and then you think about yourself not being able to ask for extra ketchup. Yeah, man. I wish I had a little bit of confidence. 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 Who she? I don't. I don't know if you guys really understood what I said. They don't have to. They know. They know. They know deep inside that he was bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kasab was convicted of all 86 charges on the 3rd of May 2010. He was found guilty of murder for directly killing seven people, conspiracy to murder, um, conspiracy to commit murder for the deaths of 164 people killed in the three day terror siege waging war against India, causing terror, and of conspiracy to murder two high ranking police officials. On 6th May 2010, he was sentenced to death by hanging. However, he appealed his sentence uh, at High Court. On 21st February 2011, the Bombay Court, um, the Bombay High Court, upheld the death sentence for Kasab 
dismissing his appeal as they should. On 29th August 2012, the Indian Supreme Court upheld the death sentence for Kasab. The court stated, we are left with no option but to award the death penalty. The primary and foremost offense committed by Kasab is waging war against the government of India. The verdict followed 10 weeks of appeal hearings and was decided by two ju- a two-judge Supreme Court panel, which was led by Judge Aftab uh, Alam. The panel rejected arguments that Kasab was... <clears throat> the verdict followed 10 weeks of appeal hearings and was decided by a two-judge Supreme Court panel, which was led by Judge Aftab Alam. The panel rejected arguments that Kasab was denied a free, fa- free and fair trial. Kasab filed a mercy petition with the President of India, which was rejected on 5th November. Kasab was hanged in Pune's Jairwada jail in secret on 21st November 2012 at 7.30 a.m., named as Operation X. <clears throat> the Indian mission in Islamabad informed the Pakistan government about Kasab's hanging through a letter. Pakistan refused to take the letter, which was then faxed to them. His family in Pakistan would send the news of his hanging via a courier. Yup. Now, that was the case. That was the 2008 um, attack on Mumbai. Now, I just want to go through the memorials that were put up by the citizens of India in, in remembrance of the people who lost their lives for literally no reason and the others um, who gave up their lives trying to save the hostage. On the first anniversary of this event, the state paid homage to the victims of the attack. Force One, a new security force created by the Maharashtra government, staged a parade from Nariman Point to Chopati. Other memorials and candlelight vigils were also organized at the various locations where the attacks occurred. On the second anniversary of the event, homage was paid again to the victims. On the 10th anniversary of the 26-11 Mumbai terror attacks, Nariman House, one of the several establishments that were targeted by the Lashkar-e-Taiba terrorists <clears throat> were to be declared a memorial and renamed as Nariman Lighthouse. Wow, my voice is shaking. <clears throat> the Indian Express Group hosts an annual memorial event 26, uh, 26, 26-11 stories of strength in Mumbai to pay homage to those killed in the ghastly terror attacks in the city in 2008. The memorial event started in 2016, is now organized at the Gateway of India and brings forth the inspiring stories of courage and strength of more than 100 survivors that the Indian Express has interviewed over the past decade. Actor Amitabh Bachchan has been the brand ambassador for the event over the years. So that was the 2008 attack on Mumbai. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. We hope we did it justice. And I mean, yeah, that's that. And uh, it was a long episode and it deserves to be long. So honestly, I will fight whoever says that, oh, it's all our long episode, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't freaking care. Okay, This deserves like four hours, but like, Okay, so from the paranoid corner of my ever paranoid brain, uh, let me just give you like this uh, quick rundown of how to protect yourself when you are, um, you know, under consequences that I hope nobody does. So this is from Wendy Patrick. She's a career prosecutor and a writer and behavioral expert. This is her... um, uh, her article so what she says is how to protect yourself is basically like the top three uh, things that you always have to keep in mind is escape hide and alert so the basic do and don'ts when it comes to these kind of things is that stay at identifiable locations so that does not really mean that go to a hotel or stay somewhere or something. Always make sure that other people know. This is like basic safety stuff, not only for terrorism, but for every single thing that I'm telling you. Is that um, I I do follow like a really, I think I follow eight of the tips that it's provided. So the first thing is prepare your devices. Very good, very. (laughs) I have two locks on my door, can you tell? 
so um the first thing that is to always have your device at hand like i fight with my mom every day to take her phone along with her but of yes, course yes. so um always have your phone at hand make sure that it has full battery or at least more than 50% when you're leaving house like a lot of people might think this is stupid but this is very important very so important. uh if you're going out of the local area then definitely uh like of course if you're staying in your own place then always have the police the local police the fire department paramedics um and all that stuff on your phone on your checklist also along with your family and close friends who can like come to you be there for you when you need them urgently okay and uh download local news and information apps to keep you updated and of course google maps is very helpful when it comes to these kind of things to figure out which road is closed and what not so i think that's done for your device always carry your charger or a power bank which is very very necessary which is a go to for me to protect yourself um keep the basic drill you know like keep pepper spray or whatever in your bag but if you're in a situation where you have to look for uh weapons for to save yourself um make sure that you do this with yourself quite often where you look around your room like immediately if something were to happen what kind of things would you have around you to protect yourself whatever no, honestly dude even if you think that you don't have any other weapon that is always a weapon around like you can make anything a freaking weapon exactly that's the thing microphone do this with your weapon right now Yeah, do this with yourself. Look at something heavy that can harm somebody or to protect yourself at the least, at least to stop them. And to protect your space is wherever whenever you're at a hotel or whatever or whatever, wherever you are, lock the doors. Yeah. So, if you're under attack, what would you want yourself to be? Obviously, alert. So, um the, on a daily basis, a lot of accidents happen due to uh your vision being uh compromised or your hearing being compromised hence do not use uh, sunglasses that will um obstruct your full view or compromise your depth perception or headphones with blasting music that you can't even hear sirens of fire trucks like forget about people talking to you even if it's us hear that yeah like uh, even if it's heard... us cackling inside your ears Lower yeah, please so lower it a little bit so you can at least hear what's going on outside this is for your own safety and please look around the road when you are crossing and please pause the music while you are at it so these are the basic things that you can do to keep yourself safe now to your family which is in case of earthquakes and fire drills we we all probably did that at school if you live in an earthquake prone area i did not but we did fire drills regularly so uh, families can also have similar drills Uh, the family thing might not sound serious but it's important to have some connection some uh, code words to make sure that you know what you're doing like otherwise you're just going to be like alpha beta gamma and nobody gives a shit so that's not okay at least make sure that you uh, it, it's not only just parents like you could just you as a child could just put it in their head being like um yeah so if something like this happens please make sure there is a code word for it okay right so this is this uh, always stay prepared stay prepared because you never know what's going to happen when and as as bad and as pessimistic as that sounds i would rather stay alive than than just die a happy flower <laughs> that sounds sad but <laughs> you know what i mean so uh protect your homes identify safe rooms uh meeting spots and if you hear stuff always stay vigilant because people who live on the uh, like if you have duplex like me so people who live on the bottom floor so always stay vigilant if anybody hears something just don't like dismiss it out of the way if there is a car on your driveway for a really really long time or some someone's just like going around and around your house for a really long time and something something seems fishy check it out try to make sense if it doesn't look fishy it's okay if he leaves it's fine but always be prepared so call other people let them know that if there's someone in the area uh, try to talk to your neighbors uh, internally let them know that there's someone around the area that looks fishy so if if someone knows him fine if someone doesn't then you all can take a 
um, take a, a decision, right? So after preparing for the worst, which we have discussed, mm-hmm. let's just hope for the best, okay? So like nobody here wants to live in fear. Obviously, no one just wants to live in like this forever limbo of what's going to happen next and we're probably going to die. But when is that? So uh, to reduce the paranoia, just learning about the safety procedures and protocols will um, let your mind at ease. So you know that you can strategize the safety and increase the sense of security among you and your family members. And also try to share this with your friends if you're at their places. You know, just just run through it once in your head that this is this is what happens. Because if you know how you can escape, you will not feel trapped. Right. Right. So uh, I think uh, I think this is not an overkill, given the given the context of what I'm talking about. But um, basically, these are the basic things that I want everybody along with us to take or out of this particular episode, because the story, the event, the tragedy that took place is definitely traumatic but right. we as we as people could just take something out of it learn something out of it try to make sense of it a little bit so yeah um with this i would just um leave it to share so yeah yeah so that's that um that was our take on the 2008 mumbai attack on mumbai 2611 um it was quite difficult to research and honestly like i had chills just you know delivering it all but um i hope we could get you to feel something um yeah that's that i hope you are having a nice weekend and or week whatever so yeah stay safe corona is still there yeah bye very weird outro awkward outro Bye. Uh so for carrying resources always have your identification card credit cards devices and charges and duplicate important documents such as driver license and passport in case your loved ones back home need your information immediately. So uh what you can do is like keep uh smaller like make A2 size prints of certain stuff and then like make right. sure it's clear so that if somebody needs an immediate copy you can like keep that in your wallet or purse and then you can just take a picture of it and they can enlarge it or whatever so uh these are essential documents that people might need which the actual document is not always um advisable to be on your possession so make sure that this happens and always uh plan ahead for your pets in case they are in the house remember shelters have some people's numbers who can take care of your pets in case you get stuck anywhere so uh next is uh, protect the access to escape so when you are in public besides the first note try to figure out where the emergency exits are play this out in your head how you're going to leave and then as for flight attendants when they tell you where the exits are please do not ignore them so uh, families can also have similar drills Uh, the family thing might not sound serious, but it's important to have some connection, some uh, code words to make sure that you know what you're doing. Like otherwise, you're just gonna be like alpha, beta, gamma, and nobody gives a shit. So that's not okay. At least make sure that you. Uh, it, it's not only just parents. Like you could just you as a child could just put it in their head, being like, um, yeah. So if something like this happens. please make sure there is a code word for it okay right so this is this uh, always stay prepared stay prepared because you never know what's going to happen when and as as bad and as pessimistic as that sounds i would rather stay alive than than just die a happy flower <laughs> that sounds sad but <laughs> you know what i mean so uh, protect your homes identify safe rooms uh, meeting spots and if you hear stuff always stay vigilant because people who live on the uh, like if you have a duplex like me so people who live on the bottom floor stuff so always stay vigilant if anybody hears something just don't like dismiss it out of the way if there is a car on your driveway for a really really long time or some someone's just like going around and around your house for a really long time and something something seems fishy check it out 
try to make sense if it doesn't look fishy it's okay if he leaves it's fine but always be prepared so call other people let them know that if there's someone in the area uh, try to talk to your neighbors uh, internally let them know that there's someone around the area that looks fishy so if if someone knows him fine if someone doesn't then you all can take a um take a, a decision right So after preparing for the worst which we have discussed mm-hmm. let's just hope for the best okay so like nobody here wants to live in fear obviously no one just wants to live in like this forever limbo of what's going to happen next and we're probably going to die but when is that so uh, to reduce the paranoia just learning about the safety procedures and protocols will um, let your mind at ease so you know that you can strategize the safety and increase the sense of security among you and your family members and also try to share this with your friends if you are at their places you know just just run through it once in your head that this is this is what happens because if you know how you can escape you will not feel trapped right right so uh, i think uh, i think this is not an overkill given the given the context of what i'm talking about but um basically these are the basic things that i want everybody along with us to take out of this particular episode cuz the story the event the tragedy that took place is definitely traumatic but right. we as we as people could just take something out of it learn something out of it try to make sense of it a little bit so yeah um with this i'll just um leave it to share so yeah yeah so that's that um that was our take on the 2008 mumbai attack on mumbai 2611 um it was quite difficult to research and honestly like i had chills just you know delivering it all but um i hope we could get you to feel something um yeah that's that i hope you are having a nice weekend and or week whatever so yeah stay safe corona is still there yeah bye very weird outro awkward outro bye i'm not very sure i don't care about that